we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I had to look up unalienable. It means not capable of being taken away or denied. It is yours by virtue of your being. And three of these rights, among others, are mentioned specifically as being notable in our Constitution. Life. It cannot be taken away from you or denied. It is your right to have. Although we can begin to wonder if we really mean that in all cases. Liberty. We hold that liberty is part of the dignity of being a human person. We have the right, for the most part, to live life as we think is good. Happiness. The Constitution does not, however, hold that we have a right to happiness. We do have a right to pursue happiness, but that doesn't mean we have a right to happiness itself but that you have the right to try for it. So we hold happiness to be very, very important. But the question is, is happiness the main aim and goal of life? And if it is, is the pursuit of happiness ultimately going to make you happy? From a Christian standpoint, I think we would have a mighty task ahead of us if we wanted to find scriptural proof that God wants for us in this life to search for happiness. I mean, take any of the depictions of the people around whom we are surrounded, our, muse- our mosaic, those 12 guys there, 11 of them died martyrs. Jesus died on the cross. You have St. Stephen, who at the end of his life Uh, witness to God as they were stoning him to death. The North American martyrs who made it their point in life to go to this wilderness to bring Christ to people who ultimately killed them. Saint Sebastian. And Abraham and Isaac. God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your only son and, and sacrifice him to me. Does that sound like God wants him to just be happy, do whatever you want? In the gospel today, we hear about John the Baptist, of whom Jesus says elsewhere in Scripture, there is no man born of woman greater than John. He does not sound like he was trying to have fun or look for happiness, yet Jesus makes it sound as though he had a full life. He lives in the desert. If I was going to look for happiness and there was a lot of sand around me, there better be an ocean there too. On top of that, he's wearing camel hair. I want something cotton and light and white. He's eating grasshoppers. There's an article in this morning's paper that some zoo is going to let 100 people in for free if they eat grasshoppers first. I'm signing up for galley boys from Swenson. And today he's giving a message that gets him in trouble with the authorities. Does that sound like he's aiming for happiness? 
According to our culture, to be happy means fulfilling your desires. You have the right car that you want, the right house in the right neighborhood. You have the right job. You have enough money. You have the right clothes and the right electronics. You have the right appearance. You have the right entertainment. You get the idea. And as a society in the United States today, more people have more stuff than ever before in history. All social indicators point toward that we should be the most deliriously happy people ever. Then why are we so angry? We are so angry. Why are we so substance addicted? Why do we escape and pull out of social life for hours a day to sit in front of a screen gambling or looking at porn or playing games or just watching television reruns? Because we, and by we, I mean as a society in general, we're not happy. We are one of the first major societies in history to make the pursuit of happiness the foundation of our nation. And we are not happy. Just listen to the news and the opinion shows, if you can listen to them. I can barely listen to them anymore. They're so angry, furious, indignant. Our society has been working so hard to fulfill its needs and desires that it's forgotten how to be happy. Because you don't get to happiness by a direct route. Happiness is the result of something else. Interestingly enough, nowhere does Scripture say seek out happiness. The closest to which it comes is when it says happy the poor in spirit. Most of the people who come to confession or counseling or spiritual direction don't walk into the door and say, I want to be happy. Make God make me happy. Most people acknowledge that there was something wrong or chaotic in their life, and they want to fix it, to straighten it out. Largely, this comes down to making the correct decisions and enacting them. And there is the key. Life is a series of choices, and our whole faith is about searching out those right choices and choosing them. The goal of life, then, is not about searching out happiness, but determining what gives life meaning. What ennobles you? What makes your life one of virtue? What gives dignity to your life and those around you? It means living life in such a way that you would be proud that amidst a world that is so incredibly needy and selfish and angry, if all your decisions were laid bare, along with all the mitigating circumstances, you could stand by them without shame. And if we are fortunate, maybe with a little sense of pride. And then, maybe... Happiness, a true happiness, not one filled with packing peanuts and bubble wrap, but of accomplishment, grace, virtue, love, sacrifice, beauty. I think that's what about what the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of reconciliation is after all, isn't it? It's a reaffirmation of the choices we have made that are good, and a self-diagnosis of the choices we should not have made, and making a commitment to try to make a better decision in the future so that you can become more the person that you respect, 
which is the person God calls you to be. And so we go back to our martyrs mentioned a little while ago, Stephen, Sebastian, the North American martyrs, all these guys back here. When they look back on their lives, as challenging as they may have been, they can see that they were a people of love and truth and beauty, and that others and the world are better because they lived. And if you know that, how can you be anything but happy? That's why we call this Gaudete Sunday, or Rejoice Sunday. It is why John the Baptist excitingly points away towards himself, toward the Christ, the coming Christ. Because in him we see the pattern, the model, and the guide of the good life that leads to joy. Today we celebrate the faith that guides us into the better person that we want and can be. Worship and thank the God who worked so hard to get us there, to receive nourishment in his body and blood that evermore transforms us into that new person, into Christ, and ready our hearts for the coming of him at Christmas who challenges us to raise the bar, to raise our standards and our ideals, one decision, one day at a time.